turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, December the 24th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. It is Christmas Eve. Today, on December 24th, 1943, President Franklin D. Roosevelt appointed General Dwight D. Eisenhower the Supreme Commander of Allied Forces in Europe as part of Operation Overlord. The world was at war. Today in 1809, legendary American frontiersman Christopher Kit Carson, he was born in Madison County, Kentucky. Today in 1851, fire devastated the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. It destroyed about 35,000 volumes in the uh, Library of Congress. Today in 1865, several veterans of the Confederate Army, they formed a private social club in Pulaski, Tennessee. That was the original version of the Ku Klux Klan. The Democrat Party, political party, would become involved and supportive in the days and years to come. Today in 1906, Canadian physicist Reginald Fessenden. He became the first person to transmit the human voice, it was his own voice, as well as some music over the radio. Now here we are, all these years later, and we're transmitting human voice over the radio. Today in 1968, the Apollo 8 astronauts, they were orbiting the moon, They read passages from the Old Testament book of Genesis during a Christmas Eve live telecast from their orbiting the moon. I'd like to just comment on that a little bit this morning. Apollo 8's crew couldn't take an entire Bible with them into outer space because at that time it was too heavy. Some years later, several missions later, a friend of mine, the late Jim Irwin, who was also an astronaut who actually visited the moon, set foot there. He took a whole Bible with him and left it on the rover there just in case the Russians or the Chinese or somebody went up there to check out our rover. He said, I want the first thing that they see to be a Bible. But this was before that time, and the Bible just weighed too much. So they took, they took the pages out of the Bible They took the first 10 verses of Genesis, they printed them on flame-proof, resistant paper. That was all part of the flight plan. It was Christmas Eve, 1968, the end of a very divisive year in America. Some of you will remember that. Two beloved leaders were assassinated. Thousands of U.S. troops died in Vietnam. Anti-war protests disrupted the Democratic National Convention. NASA had told Apollo 8 commander Frank Borman, they said, man, say something appropriate during the live broadcast from the moon on Christmas Eve. They didn't tell him what to say. They didn't even give him any suggestions, he said, only that it should be appropriate. 
So Borman and Bill Anders and Jim Lovell, the, the other two guys on the crew, they talked about it, but they couldn't come up with a good idea. Finally, one of them, I don't know which one, but one of them suggested, let's read from the book of Genesis. So as they came over the horizon of the moon, looking back at Earth on Christmas Eve in 1968, Anders spoke first, live to the whole world. It was a big deal. I remember this well. <clears throat> Many of you do also, I'm sure. Anders spoke first. He said, we are now approaching lunar sunrise. And for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided light from the darkness. Then Lovell began to read. He said, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above it, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Then Borman came on, and he said, he finished up, he said, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he the seas. And God saw that it was good. Well, I don't have to tell you that when they did that on Christmas Eve in 1968, there were people that did not appreciate that. They were trying to separate church and state, even on the moon. They were angry. But millions, hundreds of millions of Christians around the world watched that and said, praise the Lord. The message, the message gets out sometimes in the most unusual ways. And as we were back then preparing to celebrate Christmas Day on Christmas Eve, they read the story of the creation. Darwin wasn't mentioned because he doesn't need to be. He had no part in even discovering how this great creation of God came into being. He had no clue. God has ways of getting his message into the world in some unusual ways, and Christmas is one of those ways. Now, had I been God, and I wanted... <laughs> Most of us wouldn't have sent the Savior of the world into the world in a manger. I mean, let's be honest. But God's ways are higher than our ways, and they are always certainly better than our ways. Our country today is involved in a lot of chaos, just like we were back in 1968. The issues are a little bit different, but the anger, the angst, the rebellion, it's the same. There's a message that God would have us to have, whether it's over the radio or wherever, it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. 
Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I'd like to reflect on that just for a moment. Things indeed do look dark at this moment. They have before, they will again until Christ himself returns. But there are, this is a period of darkness. President Biden continues to define it that way because what he sees is darkness. And it is in the sense of orderness and tranquility in the culture. It isn't there. But because Jesus Christ arrived in a humble stable more than 2,000 years ago, we have hope in the darkest, the worst circumstances. Because Christ was born and lived and died and rose from the grave, we know the words of Christmas Christmas carol, O Holy Night, are true. A new and glorious morn awaits us. No matter how frightening things seem to be, there's light in the darkness. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness doesn't comprehend it. But the light, nonetheless, is there. And for those of us who have seen that light in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we rejoice in that. Salvation has come from God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we celebrate that today, tomorrow, Christmas Day. This Christmas, rather than wringing our hands over the worrisome state of our nation, our world, we should celebrate instead. I know we talk about a lot of negative things on this program. Sometimes I'd like to just throw it all away and put a match to it and not even mention it. I'd rather just talk about positive things. We could do that. But I believe the Lord has called us at this time to talk about what's going on in the culture, and unfortunately, it's very, very negative. But we must never get lost in the negativity and the the darkness of this world that Biden keeps identifying and describing all the time in his speeches. We don't want to get lost in that because we have overcome the world because Christ lives in us and he has overcome the world. This Christmas, we don't want to be weighted down by the weight of the world, the virus and the shots and the no shots and all of this kind of junk. A tiny baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a Bethlehem manger, continues to overcome hate with love, evil with sacrifice, and wrong with right. If you feel hopeless in the face of strife or uncertainty or discord or dissension or family problems or marital problems, whatever it is, if if you see what's enveloping our country, and it is, it is a spirit of darkness. It is a satanic spirit. Really, it's not of God, the direction our country is going now. But if we... If we put our faith in anything other than the Savior whom we celebrate today, tomorrow, if we put our faith in the President or the Congress or the Supreme Court, we're going to feel the weight of the world and the darkness of this world we live in. But our faith and our hope is not in those folks and those institutions, as although we love them, the institutions, It's not in politics. We are to fight the good fight for what is true and right. 
But our real hope comes from trusting in Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate. Instead of giving the things we long for a a chance and worrying and fretting and wringing our hands, put put them at the feet of Jesus and trust the outcome to him. I got to tell you, I'm over 40. I've been around a while, and I have seen people trust God throughout their lives. Have they avoided all conflicts? No. But I have never seen God fail in anyone's life, certainly not my own, in his faithfulness. And he's not going to fail now. Not you, not anyone. He does not fail. John chapter 16, verse 33 assures us, though we will have tribulation in this world, we can take heart because Christ has overcome the world. He was born, he lived, he died, he saved us from our sin by doing so and ending human suffering. Jesus Christ changed the world. There are little secularists scurrying around trying to change A.D. and B.C., but it's not working well. People know what our numbers are on our years. They know that they're man-made, but they also know that they were predicated on the birth of Jesus Christ. No one has ever changed the calendar like that. Jesus changed everything when he came because he is God. The problems we face personally as a nation, as a world, are the result of sin and selfishness and the nature of man to sort of cast adrift in a fallen world. Forget. Maybe rebel against the principles, the truth of Jesus Christ. Christ is the antidote to all of these problems. He's our source of hope in what sometimes seems like hopeless times. Times of loss of loved ones. When you feel like the world is falling apart and hope deserts you, place your burdens at the feet of Jesus Christ himself. Trust in him. Walk with Christ. You will be stronger than any tyrant, any temptation, any attack by Satan, by a despot, or even by a politician. Trust in God. Know for certain he can use even the worst circumstances for good. This is why we fear not, even in troubled times. My prayer for you and for our country this Christmas is found in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Well, other than that, I have no opinion about Christmas. Christmas is transformative. It is what we're about. Oh, not the holiday. Not all the stuff we do, although it's kind of fun. I hear people criticizing, we shouldn't have lights and Christmas trees and all this at Christmas. I think we should do all of that. I think we should do all of that and more. We get our songs out there. They sing our songs. They're singing our songs. They're playing them on the radio. Oh, holy night. 
Oh, come, let us adore him. Silent night, holy night. All of this stuff, it's, it's our songs. It's not the world's songs. It's our songs. But they're playing it. So I say, bring it on. Let's celebrate. Maybe somebody will find themselves at a point in their life where they'll listen to these words. Fall on your knees. As the Holy Night tells us, calls us to do. Our songs are being played. Our message is out there today. This, the, these are great days. The darker, the darker the culture, the more brilliant and penetrating is the light of God's truth. It's amazing. It's miraculous. I've pretty much given my life to sharing that message as best we could. Sometimes, I suppose, some of my quote-unquote sermons were not that great, but <clears throat> we've always tried to communicate the love of God, and the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. I want to thank all of you who have supported us this last year and, and years before, particularly on this radio program. We started it kind of on a day-to-day -day basis live, and um, some voices told me, they said, man, are you sure you want to do a live program? You're going to have to be at a microphone every day, every weekday. And I, I said, yeah, I understand that, but I, I think that's what the Lord was kind of nudging me to do. And and we started it. We said, well, we'll see if, if people will support it. We'll just keep doing it. And it's been several years now. And we started on ACN, as many of you know. And now we're, we're heard on other stations. And we're grateful to be able to have expanded it a little bit because of, of your investment in it, your giving. And uh, I'm so thankful for that. I, I want to thank you. We take this a day at a time, really we do, and a month at a time, and, and we kind of evaluate, should we, should we keep doing this? And here we are. And so if you'll stand with me in this coming year, we'll stand strong, as strong as we know how to stand, and we'll ask the Lord to use this and use our voice to say the things that will impact people's lives, inform them for sure. At the end of the year, I would encourage you to uh, maybe consider doing something maybe out of the ordinary, whatever you feel God would have you to do in support of this ministry. We need it. We are solely supported by those of you who listen to what we're saying and what we're doing here and agree with it. There are those who do not agree. They do not support us, as you can imagine. But all of you who do, thank you so much. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. 009. Our website, you can contribute on our website, faithandfreedom.us. I'm going to be taking off next week, just for a week. I need to take a break. I haven't taken any time off. I took a couple of days off this last week. As you know, I we had an unexpected, I mean, it was not, we did not see it coming. Uh, my brother passed away from a heart failure. And uh, so I had to be involved in taking care of matters. And so I was suddenly not here for two days. But short of those kinds of situations, we're here every day, except when we take a day off. And I this next week, I haven't taken any time off since like almost a year. So I need to take a little time off and just kind of refresh. And we'll come out stronger. We'll be back on the air live on January 3rd. So I'll be off Monday through Friday this coming week. We'll, we'll be running reruns. And there's some that we people have 
commented on that have been challenging to people. And so we're rerunning those. And then on, on the 3rd, on Monday, a week from this coming Monday, we'll be back live again, the Lord willing. And if I'm not here, you'll know that I have gone to heaven and you have it. No, I'm kidding. I'll be here, the Lord willing. And I think he's willing that we do that. So we'll look forward to that. Paul Harvey was one of the greatest voices of all time on the radio. No question about it. There was no one that could even imitate him. I certainly would never try, I'll tell you. But some of the words that he shared with his 24 million weekly listeners, 24 million weekly listeners, are just, I mean, they are they are evergreen. They never, ever become old or stale. I want to share with you, it's a famous little talk that he gave on a Christmas Eve many years ago. But it continues, and there are people who still read this and who still talk about it. I'm one of those people. Paul Harvey, in his little talk about the birds on a Christmas Eve, the man to whom I'm going to introduce you, Harvey said, is not a Scrooge. He was a kind and decent, mostly good man, generous to his family, upright in his dealings with other men, but he just didn't believe in all that incarnation stuff, which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense. And he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. He said, I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going to go with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said if he'd feel like a hypocrite, that he'd much rather just stay at home that he'd wait up for them. So he stayed. They went to church, to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window to watch the flurries getting heavier and heavier. Then he went back to his fireside chair and began to read the newspaper. Minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound, then another, then another, sort of a thud, a, a bump. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against the living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. They'd been caught in the storm and in a desperate search for shelter, they'd tried to fly through his large landscape window. Well, he couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stabled their pony. He said that would provide some kind of a warm shelter if he could just direct the birds into it. Quickly, he put on his coat, galoshes, tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on the light, but the birds didn't come in. He figured, well, food would entice them to come in. So he hurried back to the house. He got breadcrumbs, sprinkled them on the snow, making a trail to the yellow-lighted, wide door, open doorway of the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flap around helplessly in the snow. Then he tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around them, then waving his arms. Instead, they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. And then he realized that they were afraid of him. To them, he reasoned, I am a strange and terrifying creature. If only, if only I could think of some way to let them know what they could 
how they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Because any move he made tended to frighten them, confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. He paused and he thought, if only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them and speak their language, then I would tell them not to be afraid, that I would show them the way to safety and warm, to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind, and he stood there listening to the bells, listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. As we share the message of Christmas in different ways, publicly, through singing of carols, the hymns of Christmas, through decorating, through celebrating, through talking about Christmas. The bells are tolling to someone who may not understand, may not accept the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us not lose sight of that. Oh, this is a celebration, for sure. We should celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, And I know he wasn't probably born on December 25th. But don't let yourself go there. We're not celebrating a date. We're celebrating a birth. Jesus Christ, God became flesh and dwelt among us to give us hope and light and eternal life by our acceptance of him. So celebrate that. Celebrate that. It's making an impact. It's interesting that this uh, this Canadian imam, youngest Cathedra, is his name. He gave a sermon this week up in Victoria, British Columbia. He gave it to the Muslim youth of Victoria at the Islamic Center. He told them to be very careful during this season. These are his words, not mine. He said, be very careful during this season. He said, be careful not to wish anyone a Merry Christmas. Because in doing so, I'm quoting this imam, this Christmas, not a long time ago, right now. He said, if you say Merry Christmas to anyone, you are congratulating murderers and pedophiles. And he said, we should be calling on Allah to humiliate the infidels and annihilate the heretics and the atheists. That's the world we live in. That's what's happening in our world today. By the mere fact that we celebrate Christmas and that we do what we do, it strikes fear in the heart of the false leaders, of the false religions. We should know that there's an impact in what we do. And if it scares the imam, it's certainly the message can bring hope to those who are hopeless. It can bring light to those who are lost in the darkness. The message of Christmas can bring a reason to live to those who would contemplate taking their own life. Christmas is about truth. Christmas is about God. Christmas is about life itself and light in the darkness. 
I want to thank you again for being with me today. Have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas and a blessed new year. I'll see you a week from Monday right here on this station.